ready to get into the Word of God today as we are in part four of Act Your Wage. Act Your Wage. How many of y'all uh, remember Zig Ziglar? You remember Zig Who, who likes Zig? Now, Zig's in heaven now because he loved Jesus. But Zig Ziglar's one of the most awesome speakers I ever heard in my life. You can go on YouTube and put in Zig, Z-I-G, Zig Ziglar, Z-I-G-L-A-R is his last name, and just listen. If you're in sales, if your career is in sales, you need to listen to Zig Ziglar. He will fire you up. He is hilarious, uh, just a great, great orator. And evidently, he was pretty good at it uh, when he was a little boy. Because one day, he came home from school with four F's and a D. Four F's and a D. And, and so evidently, his ability to speak and sell things started at a real early age. Because his mother looked at that report card and said, can you explain this? He said, well, obviously, mother, I am spending way too much time on one particular subject. Now, some of y'all get that going home. I know it's early, but listen. Um, you might feel like part four of a four-part on money, you might be feeling like that for me. I think we're spending way too much time on this subject. But I want to just leave with you one more challenge today, and I just encourage you to follow along uh, with me in your notes, and we're going to fill in some little blanks there, and you got some scriptures there. Let's look at a story in the Bible today in the book of John, the book of John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, John 2, 1 through 11. Oh, let me tell you that we had an awesome weekend this weekend here at the church. Of course, you know, we were selected in our denomination as a model church, so we had pastors and church leaders come uh, this past weekend, and a lot of people um, took time off from work to volunteer and serve. Our media team was just off the hook, and uh, I just want to say thank you. Can you, just, can you just say thank you to all the people who helped us out this weekend? So we were, and, and i got to tell you, the media team really... Um, there are a couple of teams that no matter what you do here at the church, they always have to be here. See, you, you might be involved in a ministry here at the church that the only time you do anything outside of Sunday is if your ministry is involved. But see, when there's an event here at the church, I mean, it might be girls having an event or boys having an event or students having an event. or who, they, We have to have media people here every time. So i got to tell you, the media team... Just don't forget those guys and the sacrifices they make uh, because anytime anything is done here, you can't just send somebody up there and go, hey, man, I'm going to give you a key. Y'all just go up there and turn it on. And, you know, we, we got to have somebody here who knows what they're doing. And Mitchell Grantham leads that team, does such a great job. Don't, uh, yeah, amen, amen. And, and here's the thing I want to say to you. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. Um, when you come out here on Wednesday night, you see all these cars parked and, and the car parking lot is packed and, and our kids are getting ministered to. I got to tell you, people sacrificed to minister to your kids. There are people um, in our children's ministry right now serving your children, blessing your children. And let me just say to you that there are some ministries in our church that always have job openings available. And can I tell you that children's ministry is one of them? 
Children's ministry always has openings. You say, well, I don't think I'm really called to work in the nursery. Can I just say that I have met many people in my years of ministry that were called to work in the nursery? But there's something about working in the nursery that God honors and opens doors for you. So when God sees you willing to serve, you know, and change those barn burner diapers out, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Biohazard, biohazard. And um, God sees you doing that so a mom and a dad can sit in here and enjoy the service. God loves that, man. God loves that. And God will bless you. I'm not kidding you. God will bless you. When God looks down and he sees you serving him and nobody's looking and nobody's patting you on the back and nobody's telling you you're awesome but you serve with a smile on your face, I got to tell you, man, God loves that. And he will bring breakthrough in your life when he sees you obeying uh, that kind of thing. I love that picture of you, Danny, with them two babies. You're holding them two babies. Now, see, there's Danny sitting right there on the front row. He really looks like a bodyguard, don't he? But he, uh, he, there's a picture of him holding two babies, and they're both screaming. <laughs> they're both screaming. And Danny is just grinning, man. He's just loving it. So, so uh, macho men, Danny, working in the nursery, don't they? Macho men. We, don't, we, we just got all kind of men and women working in the nursery and children's ministry. And, and Pastor Andrew asked me, he said, Pastor, can you say something about that? He said, uh, he said we just had a, he said it kind of comes in waves. He said, we just had several people kind of, kind of say, I need a break, and uh, he said, I got a lot of openings right now, especially at the Goldsboro campus, we got openings, so, see, you could serve there, and just come here on Sunday, and, and be in the service, and just serve there, I mean, that's a good idea, write that down, and, uh, and so, I just want to mention that to you today, okay, all right, let's read from the Bible, John 2, 1 through 11, on the third day, now back in that day, buddy, they celebrated a wedding, and this is the third day of celebration. I mean, they celebrate, when there was a wedding, there was like a whole week of partying. How many of y'all would have loved to live in some Bible times, amen? So on the third day of the wedding, on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus, what was her name? And the mother of Jesus was there, and who else was there? Both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, oh no. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Just walks over to Jesus, there's no wine, there's no wine. Wine ran out. And Jesus said to her, woman, am I reading out of the Bible? What does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. I know what you're wanting, but it isn't time for me to do that yet. I know what you want me to do, but it's not time for me to, to you know, let all the miracles out yet. But his mother said <laughs> to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification containing 20 or 30 gallons each. I got to just tell you all the funniest story. You know those pots that are out here, that are out here in the little garden? And there's a little pot out there. 
I hope somebody's not tuning in right now thinking I'm promoting pot here in the church. I'm just... <laughs> of course, you know you're really reaching the loss when you smell a little pot in your congregation on Sunday morning. Amen. You know you're really reaching out. Amen. You say, pot smokers in your church? Where do they need to be? Dude, listen. So... That's why we have muffins. <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> that ain't in my notes. Was... But, you know, one of those big pots has got the, wa- the water coming out of the top, which is just the coolest thing, man. And um, uh, I just appreciate all the people who, who did that. But um, there's one pot that's laying down, and it's got flowers coming out of it. We've had several people to go there and go, man, who keeps putting that pot over? And they keep setting that pot up, man. Who keeps knocking the pot over? I got to tell you something. I know the pot's supposed to be laying down, but I love that people notice and go, I'll take care of that. I got that. <laughs> love it. Love it. Because when you walk up on the, when you walk up on the uh, property of your church, you ought to be scanning the horizon going, is there anything don't look right? Don't, I'm not talking about people now. I'm talking about... <laughs> Does anything don't look right, looks, there's a piece of trash. You don't go, well, I, I'm not on this week. I'm not volunteering this week. That's, it's your church. Amen, amen. This is your property. This is your house. You see a little piece of paper. You see something. You pick that up, man. And you say, I want, you know, the way we feel here at this church is when we see somebody we don't know, the first thought in our mind is they might be giving God one more chance. When you see somebody walk on our property that you don't know, don't give them the skunk eye. Just think about how they might be giving God just one more chance. So you say, I'm going to treat that person. I'm a, I want the property at our church. When that person walks on, I want no excuses. I want it to be immaculate. I want it to be clean. I want it to be excellent. I'm not going to wait for somebody with a T-shirt on to greet them. I'm going to go there and greet them. Go, I, I don't believe I've met you. And they go, hey, man, if, if that's how the people in this church act, I might give God a try. Amen, amen? How many of y'all know they see Jesus in us before they see Jesus at all? That's right. Now there were six stone water pots there for the Jewish custom of purification containing 20 or 30 gallons each. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. That's important. That's important. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. When the head waiter tasted the water which had become... Wine. Y'all have heard that story, haven't you? About the patrolman who pulled the man over because his car was swerving like that. And he looked in the window with his flashlight and he saw the bottle. He said, what's in that bottle right there? He said, water. He said, let me see that. 
He handed him that bottle, that highway patrol. Said, he said, man, that's wine. That guy said, Jesus done done it again. <laughs> Jesus done done it again. Ain't none of this in my notes. <laughs> you say, well, I don't like laughing. I'd probably go ahead and leave now. Because <laughs> it ain't going to get no better. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So he took it to him. When the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, every man serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. So we're at a wedding here, and they've run out of wine, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, immediately comes to Jesus with the problem. Why does she go to Jesus with the problem? Now, y'all know how I think. Y'all know I'm twisted. Y'all know I read stuff in the Bible that makes some of y'all cry and you're serious and I'm over there laughing about what I'm reading in the Bible because there's funny stuff in the Bible. And I just kind of thought about, you know, is it possible that some strange things happened around Jesus when he was a little boy growing up that maybe caused Mary to know that Jesus could take care of this wine shortage problem? I mean, it looked like a catering problem, but Mary made it a Jesus problem. I mean, I wonder if that sometime they were maybe having a family reunion or a picnic and Mary had to go over to Jesus where all the other kids were playing and swimming and look at him and go, you need to quit doing that and get down in the water like all the other children. <laughs> I mean, I ain't saying that's in your Bible and I'm not saying that's happening. I'm just saying... What made Mary, at this point when Jesus had really not done any miracles, what made her think he could turn water into wine? Or he could fix this wine shortage problem? I'm just saying that might happen. Or maybe Spot, the family dog, got hit by a chariot. <laughs> and all the kids were standing around Spot going, hey, Spot, it's his Spot, Spot, Dad, Spot. And Mary walks over to Jesus and goes, Jesus is like, my, my time ain't come yet. And Mary goes, you, you, look, you look at them babies crying. You look at them children. I, I know who you are. They might not know who you are, but now I know who you are. The angel came and told me who you are. I know who you are. So Jesus is caught in that whole thing where he's supposed to honor your mother and father, and he walks over there and goes, all right, all right, all right. And he goes, let me see. Oh, look. Spot, look, he was just sleeping. And so... I mean, maybe that happened. Or maybe one day Jesus was doing homework and Mary said, I need you to go to the store and get some flour because I gotta make some stuff. And Jesus goes, I can't go to the store right now because I got this paper due. I'm working on a school project. It's due. I got to work on it. I can't quit right now. And so she says, but I really have to have that right now. If you all want dinner tonight. And so there's just a little pause. And Jesus goes, why don't you go back and check that cupboard one more time? I think there might be some this time. And she goes in and goes, hey, here it is. I must have missed it. So, I mean, I'm just wondering why Mary went to Jesus with this whole ran out of wine problem. It's because she knew who Jesus was. She knew who he was. The angel did come to her. 
he did tell her who her child would be, and she knew. And I love how Mary communicated to Jesus. Ladies, please, don't be offended by what I'm about to say. But have you guys, can I just talk to the men a minute? Have y'all noticed how a woman never tells you what she wants? She wants to just hint something, and she wants you to figure it out. And so when the wine runs out, I mean, Mary goes, ain't got no wine. (laughs) Jesus laughs. I mean, they're out of wine. You know, women never just come out and tell you what they want. I mean, Millie, you know, she'll go, are these your pants on the floor? I go, I sure hope so, or we got some other stuff to talk about (laughs) up in here. Are you you guys with me out there? They never say, get them pants up, them your pants. Ain't nobody else in here wears pants like that. (laughs) These yours? Yeah. So Mary goes, they have no wine. And Jesus basically says to her, woman. That's funny, isn't it? I mean, it's just so funny. I just love, he doesn't go, mother. When she indicates to him without really coming out, his answer back, woman. What does this have to do with me? She doesn't say another word to Jesus. It's in your Bible. She turns to the servants and goes, Whatever he tells y'all to do, just do it. (laughs) Ain't that awesome? So Jesus orders them to fill the pots with water. And we have this miracle. Now we've been having fun and we've been laughing. We're probably going to laugh some more. I want you to get this right here. I'm about to give you the key to a miracle in your life. Let me ask you something right now. I want you to think for a minute. You need a miracle. Do you need a miracle? I'm going to give you the key to a miracle. I'm about to give you the key to a miracle. It's the key for me. It's no more the key for you than it is for me. It's the key for me. Mary gave us the key to a miracle. Whatever he says to do. Obey. Obey God. The key to a miracle is obedience. Doing what God says. You you need a miracle in your marriage? Your body? Your finances? I know some parents that need a miracle this morning. I know some parents that are hurting. They need a parenting miracle. Some of you need a miracle in your career. Some of you are going to school. You need a miracle at school. The key to a miracle for Fair Hardison, the key to a miracle for you, the key to a miracle is whatever he says, do it. Whatever he says, do it. Just do it. Mary came up with that, not Nike. Just do it. Obedience is the key to any miracle you need. Whatever commitment he asks you to make 
And next Sunday is offering fit for a king. I don't want you to tell me what you're going to give. I don't want you to tell anybody outside your immediate family what you're going to give. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to get with Jesus and say, what would you have me give? Because I want to give an offering next week that is fit for a king. And whatever he says, do it. It's the key to a miracle. Let me give you three things about obedience. Three things. Number one, this is in your notes. Obedience is measurable. Obedience is measurable. You can measure. The Bible says in verse 7, so they filled them, those water pots, they filled them where? Up to the brim. It's measurable. He measured how much wine did they get back as a result of filling the pots up to the brim? Since they filled the pots up to the brim, like Jesus said, then the wine that they needed was also up to the Because they obeyed. And what if Jesus had said, fill them up to the brim, fill them up, and they had put them halfway? How much wine would they have gotten? Halfway. Isn't it interesting, and we studied this in our Judge Not series, in Matthew 7, 2, Jesus said, whatever measure you use is the same measure God uses to give back to you. Isn't that, isn't that powerful? So listen to me. Your obedience will determine the size of the miracle in your life. Now, we're tying this to the offering fit for a king next week. Because i got to tell you, I had this number in my mind, me and Millie were going to give, and it was pinching me. It was pinching me. And while I was getting up my sermon for this week, he told me to give more than that, and that pinched me big. Matter of fact, I hadn't told her yet. <clears throat> Millie and I are going to give the biggest offering next Sunday we've ever given to this church. I believe my staff's going to do that. I believe the deacon board is going to do that. I believe my ministry director is going to do that. I believe my owners are going to do that. And in the middle of an economic environment that says you better hold on to it, you better hold on to it, you better hold on to it, we are not going to listen to that. We're going to trust God. And we're going to fill the pots full. We're going to test him. Here's an email I got this week. Good afternoon, Pastor. Just wanted to share something about tithing. My husband and I have been married for 36 years today. When we first got married, we would give about $25 a week to the church because we thought that was all we could afford. But we did it on a regular basis. She says, 24 years ago, we made a decision to trust God and tithe the full 10% of our income. And we have been doing that faithfully for the last 24 years. When we got a raise, we would increase our tithe. We've seen God's faithfulness over the years and blessings are too many to tell. Just as one example, in 2001, my husband lost a job that he had had for 23 years. He could not receive unemployment. Our son had just started college at UNC Wilmington. 
So not only did we have our own household to keep up at home, now we had rent to pay for our son in Wilmington and all his other expenses. During that time, God was faithful, so faithful. We literally had to stand on the word of God every day that he would meet our needs for that day. Every week, my husband found odd jobs to do, and we never got behind on one single bill. God provided every week. We learned to trust God instead of trusting a job. God has not only met our needs, but he has blessed us beyond what we could ever ask or hope for. Pastor, God is definitely faithful to his word. And she ended by saying, I just wanted to share. Can we praise God for that story right there? Isn't that a great story? So when I hear and read stories like this, it's hard for me to understand that there are still people who don't believe in miracles. And I want to say something that I think is uh, very important, so I don't want you to miss it. I, I think the reason some people never see a miracle in their life is because they never give God the opportunity to do a miracle in their life. Next Sunday's a time like that. Next Sunday is a time to trust God. And we're going to have the offering um, containers up here and we're going to close the service with worship and while we're worshiping as you're moved we want you to just come and bring your offering so what's the key to seeing miracles in your life what is it whatever he says for you to do do it see it's my desire as your pastor that everybody in the bridge would walk in life-giving abundant life hearing and obeying hearing and obeying, hearing and obeying, and that God would be constantly doing miracles over and over in your life. Here's the problem. Listen to this. We say things like this, God, if you'll do this, then I promise you I'll do this. But see, God says, I don't work that way. God says, you obey me. You, you go first. You go first. And if you'll go, because see, it doesn't take any faith if God goes first. It takes faith if we have to go first. He says, you go first, and I'll fill the pots to the brim, and I'll show myself to you. Obedience is measurable. Number two, obedience is exciting. Obedience is exciting. Those of you who are dead, cold, and dry in your walk with the Lord, I want you to listen to me. I'm about to tell you how to wake up. Obedience is exciting. Think about these water pots. They were ceremonial washing pots. How exciting. There was nothing exciting about these washing pots until Jesus got involved. And when Jesus got involved, these pots became party central, baby. Amen. I mean, I can just see a guy over there going, hey, man, where'd you get that pot right there? I don't get me one of them pots. <laughs> Full of wine. People were just hanging around these pots. I mean, it wasn't just wine. It was heaven's wine. It was the good stuff. It was the best. 
once Jesus got involved, dull, drab, and boring got very exciting. But see, Jesus can't get involved until we obey. That entire atmosphere in the story in the Bible changed when they begin to experience something God had touched. Here's the deal. If religion is dead to you, your Christian experience is dull to you, I can tell you how to make it exciting. Here it is. Whatever he says to do, do it. See, some of us live in fear. We live in fear. Because you know what we think? We think we got to take care of ourselves. And we kind of think if we turn this thing over to God, he isn't really going to take care of us that good. So we got to take care of ourselves. I mean, I can't, I can't trust my future to God. I mean, God's liable to let my children go hungry. God's liable to, if I, I mean, if I trust God, I mean, we don't come out and say that, but that's how we live. That's how we live. How many times you've been going through the routine of the day and you go in the grocery store and, some, and you just hear this little voice say, hey, invite that person right there to your church. Invite that person to the bridge. Or maybe you're in line at Hardee's or McDonald's or, or Starbucks or somewhere and God says, hey, man, you, use a just because card. And you know what we do? We wax spiritual. We wax spiritual. We go, Father, if that's you, I need a sign. Can I just tell you the devil is never going to tell you to invite somebody to your church? Can we just go ahead and settle right now? If, somebody, if you hear a voice that says, be good to the person behind you, it's not the devil. And more than likely, it isn't you either. If you hear a voice like that saying, be generous, step out on faith, be bold, risk your reputation and do something awesome for me, it's God. It's God's voice. And, when you, and, and you know, I've done that before, you know, and, I, and I, nobody knows how to whack spiritual like a pastor. You know, hey, I'm in line. God says, hey, invite that person to the bridge. And I go, I will, but I've got to get in some Bible study. I've got to get my sermon up. I mean, did you forget, God? I got to preach Sunday. I can't be talking to strangers. And then God, of course, doesn't let you off the hook. And then you go, hey, listen, I was just watching you. I, I just wanted to tell you that I'm pastor of the bridge right at the road. And if you don't go to church anywhere, I'd love to have you. And they go, man, we just moved here. I had this happen to me. We just moved here. And I was telling my husband, where are we going to go to church? And she said, I'll be, I'll be at the bridge Sunday. I'll be at the bridge Sunday. And I was able to tell her about our two campuses. And I'm telling you, they're here today. They're here, not in this service, but they're going to be in the next service. And when I left the grocery store that day, I was on cloud nine, buddy. I, was on cloud, I didn't even have to study to preach. I was just ready to preach right then. <laughs> you can say, I can tell by your sermons you didn't study to preach. Listen. Y'all with me on this? When you, listen to me, listen to me. Some of you, I'm just talking to you straight up today. Some of you, your Christian life is dead and dry and cold and boring because you never trust God for the impossible. I'm telling you right now, if you'll start trusting God for the impossible, if you'll start stepping out on faith on some things, your walk with God will get exciting because what he'll do is he'll move in your life like, like he's never moved in your life before and you're going to have stories to tell. But if you don't ever risk anything for God, you're never going to see those things happen. Number three, obedience is the key to your heart's desire. Now I want you to get this right here. This is really important. 
the key to your heart's desire. So, so we have God-given desires. Look what it says in the Bible. Look what it says in the Bible. Psalm 37, 4. Take delight in, that means obey, the Lord. Take delight in his law. Take delight in, in what God has said he wants you to do and be. Take delight in the Lord, and he will what? Give you the what? Your what? So those heart's desires are from him, And he wants to give them to you, but they only come when you delight in him, obey him, live for him. So we have these God-given desires, and here's what the devil does. He comes and tells you every time you say, you know, I'd really love to have a car that when I turn the key, it cranks right up. I would really love to be able to send my kid to college. I would really love to have a nice house in a nice neighborhood. And when we say things like that, some of us were brought up to believe that's selfish. You're being selfish. I'm here to tell you today that when we've got these desires over here and we consider bringing them up to God, the enemy's going to come because he doesn't want you to have those things. He doesn't want you to be blessed. He doesn't want you to live this promise from the Word of God that God will give you your heart's desire. So he comes in and tells you that anything you ask for outside of, you know, God bless the missionaries and, and God bless uh, our soup kitchen ministry. And, and when we go, God, I would really like to have a little bit bigger house and I'd really like to have a little bit nicer house. And, and God, you know my old car. And God, do you mind? Could I, could I get? And all of a sudden you just hear this voice from the enemy going, selfish, selfish. All about you, because see, he doesn't want you to believe God for those things. He doesn't want you to ask God for those things. He doesn't want you to think God takes any delight or any pleasure in pouring those kind of blessings into your life. I'm here to tell you today, that's a lie. That's a lie from the enemy. And some of y'all have bought into it because you were brought up like that, and some of you were brought up like that in church. This whole lack, this whole mentality of lack. And the, and the less you have, the more spiritual you are. And, 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 and the more you're in poverty, the more spiritual you are. As a matter of fact, what we have to be careful about here is that we don't take pride in our poverty. I know people who take pride in their poverty. And they brag about it all the time. I don't have anything. You know? So when Pastor Farrell starts talking about the offering fit for a king next week, the enemy comes to you and goes, well... You might want to give in that offering, but I tell you what, you've got to cut out a lot of things. And I'm not saying there aren't times we don't sacrifice. The Lord teaches on that, teaches on fasting and all of that kind of thing. But I'm just telling you, this whole mentality that God doesn't want to bless us is backwards. It's important for you to understand this. Get, get hold of this right here. He will bless you more than you will bless you if you will let him. If you don't get anything else I say today, we get that statement right there. He will bless you more than you would bless you if you'll let him. And a lot of people don't tithe because they think, I can't afford it, I can't afford it. And God is going, man, if you'll just let me, if you'll just obey me, if you'll just obey me, I'm going to bless you in ways you've never been seen, you've never seen in your life before. There are going to be breakthroughs in your life you've never seen. So why can God bless us more than we could ever bless ourselves? This is deep stuff. Now I'm about to give you some deep stuff. Number one, he's way richer than you. 
He's got more resources than you. He can bless you more than you can bless yourself because he's got way more stuff than you do to bless you with. And the people said. Another reason that he can bless you more than you bless yourself is because he loves you more than you love you. You say, uh-uh, I love me a lot. Yeah, I know. Let me tell you how I know he loves you more than you love you. He gave his son so you could have eternal life. And you wouldn't give your son so you, could have etern- so you yourself could have eternal life. And you wouldn't give your son so anybody else could have eternal life. You give your life for your child, but you would never give your child for somebody else. See, God's love's bigger. God's love's more. God's love is deeper. When Mary indicates to Jesus that he needs to supply more wine for this wedding, Jesus says to his mother, I love this. Listen to this. I'm closing. What does your concern have to do with me? My time has not yet come. One commentator said that here's what Jesus was saying right there. Jesus was saying, Mom, they haven't recognized me yet. This is, this is good. Mom, they haven't recognized me yet for who I am. Listen to this. Neither have they included me in this situation. How many of us today are sick and not healed because we haven't included Jesus in the situation? I'm not saying it's a, 100%. How many of us are in financial trouble today because we take care of that and we don't want God in it and we take care of that and Jesus said the reason that I can't do anything to help them is because number one, they don't recognize me for who I am yet and number two, they haven't included me in this situation. So what could happen to you physically if you included God in in that physical situation? I love doctors, I love nurses. Lately, I've been seeing a whole lot of them and going to a whole lot of them. But you know what? He's my healer. He's my healer. Include him in your situation physically. Include him in your marriage situation. You suffering financially? Let Jesus in on it. Let him in on your situation. People say, I don't even have food to feed my children. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If you will open the door, I will come in and what? Sup, dine with you. You know what Jesus is saying? Let me touch it. Let me touch it. So many people today, the reason they're not being blessed is because they hold on to everything. If you will release it and let him touch it, then it's going to get blessed. When that little boy gave those five loaves and two, and the Bible says Jesus what? He took it, he touched it, he took it, he broke it. That's why that boy went home that day with five loaves and two fishes, not that, but 12 baskets. So we're going to do a little demonstration here of tithe. So I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to ask Scott Jennings to come out here and Pastor Jared, Pastor Scott, and Pastor Jeremy. I want them to come out here uh, this morning and uh, we're going to do a little uh, demonstration of tithing, Okay. Let's give it up for our pastors right here. That's more bars, more places.
Bong, 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 bong. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go on a trip. I'm going to leave. I'm going to be gone. And I'm going to take care of my wife. I'm going to take care of her. And I'm going to meet her needs. She's not, she's not going with me. But I want you guys to help me take care of her. So I'm going to give you $1,000. And I'm going to give you $1,000. I'm going to give you $1,000. <laughs> And I'm going to give it to you every month. I'm going to give it to you every month, okay? But here's the deal. I want you to help me take care. I want to make sure she's okay while I'm gone. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to keep 900 for yourself. You, you can do anything you want to with the 900. Pastor Jeremy, this is just an illustration. Don't get too excited. <laughs> so I want you to keep the 900. You can do anything you want to with 900. You buy a new car, upgrade your house. Um, uh, you can uh, have another baby, whatever y'all, whatever y'all want to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> except you, Scott. Uh, and, and so, so you, you can do whatever you want. So I don't care what you do with the 900, that's yours. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to give Millie $100 a month every month. I want you to give her $100 a month. So you get to keep the 90, you just give her $100 every month. So I've been gone, I've been gone about three or four months so I come back, and uh, I'm not, I, I don't come back, but I just give Millie a call. I just call her up. I go, Millie, uh, uh, how you doing? You know, everything all right, baby? You know, I sure do miss you. And, oh, let me, let me ask you. Um, are the guys giving you the $100 a month? And Millie says, Jeremy gives me $100 every month. Every month. I can always count on it. No, he's, he's going to give it to me. She says, and Scott gives me $200 a month. 200? I just wanted 100. So 200. So Scott gives 200. I said, well, how about Jared? What's he doing? She said, well, we need to talk about Jared. <laughs> she goes, you know, the first month he gave me $700, or he gave me $70. The first month he gave me $70. She said, and the next month, he gave me 40. And then last month, I didn't, ever, I didn't get anything from him. Let me ask you something. How do you think that makes me feel about Jared? You know what it makes me feel? Hurt. It makes me feel disappointment. So when I get back from my trip, I'm going to have a little talk with Jared, but before I get back from my trip, I'm going to stop sending him the $1,000, and I'm going to send the $1,000 to Scott because I know I can trust Scott with another $1,000. Are y'all with me? You say, well, where's that in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. Matthew 25. Y'all remember when the man gave the talents? And when he came back from his trip, he was asking, and one guy said, man, I hid my talent. And the Bible says he took it and gave it to the others who invested and gave their talent. Amen. Thank you, guys. Amen. God bless you. Sorry, Jared. Did y'all see the analogy right there? The church is Jesus' bride. 
The church is Jesus' wife. And Jesus has said to us, I'm going to provide income for you. And you get to keep 90% of it. And I'm going to take care of my bride. I'm going to take care of my wife. But I want you to help me take care of my wife till I get back. So I want you to keep 90%. You just take 10% and just give it to my bride every week or every month. And I'm going to I'm going to be taking care of my bride too. But I want you to take care of her. Be faithful. Because when I, when I get back, I'm going to ask you about it. Can I tell you something? Tithing is far more personal to Jesus than some of you think it is. It's his bride. The church is his bride, and he's called you to take care. You say, well, I don't go to church here. I go to church somewhere else. Then you need to take care of it there. Those of you who named the name of the bridge, and this is your church, you need to take care of it here. Because our master is going to return. He's going to ask you about it. Let's all stand together.